Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show we're talking about secret stashes. We all like to snack, and none of us like others stealing our snacks, so what do you do? You hoard! But animals don't have that secret cabinet full of cookies they hide behind their podcasting desk. So how do they do it? From massive dragon hordes of nuts to the treasure of tiny kickboxers, we're looking at caches that these animals only hope to clear by eating them. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, can a giant weasel see into the future? Joining me today is friend of the show, Garfield expert, award-winning indie filmmaker, and writer for the show Spirit Rangers, Joey Clift. Welcome! Yeah, hey Katie, thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, very excited to be back. Uh, quick question, uh, you said you thought you're the host of many parasites. Is yeah. there like a favorite parasite that you're infested with? Mm. Probably Dimidex. Uh, they live in my eyelashes and they eat my dead skin and they look like tiny microscopic aliens. Um, that, that does sound like a really useful parasite. And like, I mean, I feel like all parasites look like aliens on some level, right? <laughs> Well, good news, you have them too. Technically, there's no useful parasite. Uh, There's, I guess there's some, basically with the Demodex, there's some um, nuance to whether they're actually parasites or if they're in a commensal relationship, meaning that they benefit from us and they don't actually do much for us. Because like, while it seems like they might help out by eating the dead skin, they can cause problems and irritation if there are too many of them. And there's not really that much evidence that they do us much good. So they, I think that depending on whether they actually cause any irritation, they're either just sort of in a symbiotic relationship with us, uh, where it's a commensal relationship where they don't really hurt us, uh, or they're parasites when they kind of cause irritation and cause problems. Wow, those sound like freeloaders to me. Just start <laughs> charging them rent. Yeah, little, just so many tiny little tenants. 
which <laughs> yeah, yeah. makes us all landlords when you think about it. Yuck. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now let's talk about the biggest parasite of all, landlords. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are talking about hoarding, uh, caching food. So it's something that animals do uh, to keep a secret stash of food uh, especially in areas where there are seasonal shifts in food availability or if they really need to have a stable supply of food. So there are two main different types of hoarding methods. There is the larder method where an animal has a single or maybe a couple specific storage area that it stores food in and guards. Just kind of like a dragon, you know, it's got its cave and it's got a bunch of coins and uh, various damsels all in there. Yeah, I gotta say, it it really, I my favorite are, are the animals that hoard all their stuff in a specific space. And whenever there are new stories that come out about, like I feel like there's a new story that um, floats around every once in a while of like there was a, a bird or a squirrel that stored a bunch of nuts in um, like a satellite dish or something like mm -hmm. that. And um, the satellite dish was seeing interference and they were trying to figure out like, you know, why isn't it running out to capacity? So they opened it up and just like thousands and thousands of nuts poured out. And I yep. was just like, no, that squirrel stash. I <laughs> like, know. It worked I so know. hard for it. <laughs> Better put that back. We're actually going to talk about something exactly like that in just a minute. But yeah, it is, it is sad when like you see these news stories. It's like they worked so hard on that stash. Yeah, and these are little animals. It's like that's like that's like a lifetime worth of just like hoarded wealth that all of a sudden we're just taking from them. Yeah, it was their nest egg, except instead of an yeah. egg, it's a lot of nuts. Yeah, so, that, was their, that was their retirement plan. <laughs> so another technique is scatter hoarding. So instead of a larder with scatter hoarding, they will hide their food in many different locations. So this is something that the eastern gray squirrel does. So they take a nut, they go, they bury it somewhere, and then go bury something else somewhere else. And so both of these methods can be quite advantageous. The first can be advantageous because you only have to defend and memorize like one or two larders where you keep things in. But it is a problem because it is more prone to theft if a competitor finds your cash and you have put all your nuts in one hole, so to speak. Uh, whereas with scatter hoarding, it can be advantageous because you have diversified your nut investment, but the disadvantage is that you have to memorize uh, all these locations, you have to travel to all these places, and sometimes you forget. And then we get, like, if you bury a nut and you're a squirrel and then you forget where it is, that grows into a tree, so. Which is a uh, squirrel's worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've... I don't know if you can describe a tree as a squirrel's worst enemy. <laughs> I mean, I guess that they like they bite trees, so it's like they feel. I feel like they dig and burrow into trees. That's them. That's combat for trees for them, right? I guess, yeah, it, but it, I mean, it maybe feels the, like it's an adversarial relationship. Maybe I, I don't think so. I mean, like I don't like I bite a sandwich, but it's not my enemy. Uh oh, yeah, sandwich is my enemy. <laughs> Everything that I eat, I am in a combat relationship with. <laughs> So a uh, question about, okay, so like which type of hoarder are you? I feel like I'm a scatter hoarder because I have uh, protein bars hidden all around Los Angeles in various locations. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a tiny app that I use to track them. And so far, nobody's found them yet. 
Well, when I was younger, I was a larder uh, hoarder. I had like a closet. My first time uh, living on my own, I had a closet where I just put everything in. It was like in the cartoons where you open the closet and everything falls out. And I decided enough with that. So then I became a scatter hoarder. So now I, I leave things in all sorts of crannies and and like I'll reach into a desk drawers and there's some candy there. And then it's like, where did I put my keys? Ah, you know, in a little, I I drilled a hole in the wall and I stuck them in there for uh, safekeeping. So yes, I, I think currently I am a scatter hoarder. I mean, it makes sense because like I feel like, we're, you know, as adults, we're constantly on the move. I mean, if, as a kid, uh, like larder hoarding makes a ton of sense because, you know, you're primarily in one location. You're probably hanging around your house a bunch. But as adults, it's like we've got offices we're going to. We've got like different we've got our own homes with different sections of the house. We've got cars. It's like I totally I totally uh, understand, uh, you know, your hoarding methods are going to increase and change as you age. Right. Yeah. You're also like increasingly paranoid that you're going to need just like a quick bite to keep you from uh, taking another nap. So if you <laughs> hide Cheerios around the house, just in little crannies, it's like, oh, a Cheerio. Then I guess I won't need to rest my ancient 30 year old bones and take a nap. I mean, that's I feel like that's a real that's like a real thing where um, when I was a kid, uh, I would survive entirely just on sustaining myself on just like drinking a two liter of orange soda a day and I would feel fine. Whereas as an adult, it's like if I go more than like four or five hours without having a snack, I get like a headache. And yeah. it's just like oh, getting old sucks. I know you feel your body sort of like crying out when you aren't eating. It's like it, like when you're a kid, it's like, oh, I forgot to eat. No worries. I'll just eat this entire sleeve of Oreos and be fine. Now it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot to have lunch on time. Okay, I'll eat now because my head hurts. Uh-oh, now that I'm eating, I also feel bad. What is going on? Yeah, it's like I ate too much. Now I have to take a nap. And then like <laughs> I feel like I like I drink such little amount of caffeine that if I have just like a sip of caffeine, I'm just like not I'm just like out of it. Like I'll crash for like two days. And it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, I used to like live off of soda like i used to live off of surge you know yeah i can't like eating too much sugar now and my mouth actually burns from the sugar it's your uh, mouth burns right no it hurts the roof of my mouth so it's great um but yes yeah, so those are those the main two types larder uh larder caching and scatter caching uh there's a third type of less common hoarding um, where the animal will actually take an inedible food and will store it somewhere and let it ripen, which is really fascinating. So we're actually going to talk about all three types of caching, all three types of hoarding with three different animals. Um, so first, we're going to talk about a recent story of a bunch of acorns hidden in the walls of a house. Oh no, I'm so I'm so mad that this that this cache was found. <laughs> Wait, was this was this your cache? This might have been my cache. <laughs> my nuts. Well, apparently in Santa Rosa, California, someone was going about their business in their home and they noticed mealworms coming out of the walls. And so they called an exterminator because when you got worms in your walls, it might be time to do something. Yeah, I mean I feel like I uh, look, it could be a bad sign. 
if you're a family of uh, if you're a family of birds, worms coming out of your walls might be a good sign. So I'm just saying, you know, like perspective. That's like if chocolate starts leaking from your ceiling. I guess if you're a bird, worms. Yeah, it's like worms is yeah, chocolate I, to birds. Yeah, and I feel like on some level, if chocolate started leaking from your ceiling, part of you would be like, "Oh, this feels like a problem that needs to be solved." But another part of you would be like, oh, wow, melted chocolate. Don't mind if I do. It's a problem that can be solved with a spoon, in my opinion. Yeah. So in this house, they, they called the exterminator. So the exterminator start like cut a hole in the wall and a bunch of acorns started to fall out. And so he started to pull out the acorns and more and more and more acorns came out of the hole in the wall and they just kept coming. Yeah, uh, looking at the article, uh, it, it sounds like there are 700 pounds of acorns in total that they poured out of this wall. Yep. <laughs> Which, it's it's such an impressive amount. I think it was made by, um, uh, I believe, two uh, small woodpeckers over the span of like maybe two or three years or something like that. They made this huge stash of acorns. And uh, I really hope that the um, woodpeckers were watching through the window as uh, this stash was discovered. And I hope that in Woodpecker, they were screaming, my stash, no! <laughs> They're like looking at the exterminator and be like, uh, it's not mine. I'm holding it for a friend. All those acorns. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I just picture they're like sitting on the they're sitting on the uh, on the pile of acorns in this uh, in this old chimney. And they're just saying, like, we did it. We've prepared for winter. We're yeah. going to be good for 20 years. And then all of a sudden the acorns start spilling and yeah. below them. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> My nest egg. Oh, poor little woodpeckers. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about acorn woodpeckers and why they would do such a thing. So acorn woodpeckers are medium-sized birds. Obviously, they are a type of woodpecker. Uh, they've got a bright red spot on their head. They're quite pretty. They will drill holes in trees and store acorns in them. Basically, they turn trees into Swiss cheese. Uh, they fill the tree with a bunch of little holes and basically stuff like one acorn per hole. And so this is called a granary. It's typically in trees, although sometimes they will use man-made wood structures when it's convenient, like telephone poles. Um, as the acorns sit in these holes, the acorns will actually start to shrink uh, as they dry out. So the woodpecker has to fastidiously keep track of this. They will take the acorn out and stick it into a smaller hole so it doesn't fall out. Um, and to protect their acorns, uh, they will often form social groups of families, basically a bunch of related sisters and then a bunch of related brothers. But the brothers are not related to the sisters, and so they can all mate together. And so they will all protect their, uh, <laughs> protect their acorns from potential bandits uh, if the breeding collective is kind of disrupted, um, other species of birds like uh, scrub jays will come in, try to steal the nuts. Uh, sometimes a another acorn woodpecker will come in and try to join the collective, uh, insinuate themselves into this uh, breeding collective. And sometimes some acorn woodpeckers just come by to spectate, to watch the, the show. Psh, scrub jays are always up to no good. Pretty much. I got to say um, a few things on that. I love that for these woodpeckers, this tree that they're stuffing with acorns basically becomes the family store where it's just like, you got to mind the store, boy. Like it's yep. uh, 
that they that that they're like on watch constantly on this uh, tree filled with acorns. And then another thing about it is, um, uh, do you know what uh, tripophobia is? Yes, I do. Uh, the yeah, it's a, it's the, fear the fear of holes. Of holes. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, as somebody that um, has tripophobia, uh, this photo of this tree filled with acorns is terrifying. I'm to me. very sorry. I'm very sorry. Yes, it is. It is. I can see how that would be unpleasant, even for me. I do not have that phobia, but. I feel a little bit of discomfort looking at it. Yeah, because it basically it basically looks like somebody just machine gunned this tree yeah. full of acorns. <laughs> it's just covered in holes, and it's like, oh, it's probably not great for the tree. You just see Nick Offerman running by you and saying, like, squirrels got guns now. And it's like, what? Yeah, squirrels yeah. got guns now. <laughs> it is also, like, really twisted that... Um, these woodpeckers uh, take these acorns and then essentially <laughs> drill them into the tree that the acorn came from. <laughs> it is a little bit evil dead, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, what's your problem? These birds are, these birds are effed up. <laughs> They're twisted and sick. The news story about this woodpecker is unusual because acorn woodpeckers typically stick the acorns in these individual holes that are horrifying to Joey. Um, not inside large hollow areas, but according to the exterminator who investigated the home, um, he saw the birds dropping acorns into a hole in the chimney, and then they the birds would come in a separate hole in the attic to feed on the acorns. So they will actually take advantage of uh, naturally forming hollows and trees on occasion. Generally, they do stick to this, like, acorn in hole structure because if the uh, acorn stash this pile gets some uh, rot on it it can sacrifice the whole thing as what happened to these birds it's humans came in and messed up the entire horde so um but they will sometimes try to use these naturally occurring basically cabinets uh and you mentioned earlier like them using like um, satellite dishes. They will do that in 2015. Uh, also in California, acorn woodpeckers filled a concave transmission tower with 300 pounds of acorns, which stopped the signal from this transmission tower, and they had to send someone up there to remove the acorns. Um, yeah, I gotta say, okay, so I, I'm sticking by my thought these uh, these woodpeckers are real sick <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, aside from that, I gotta say, I I really appreciate uh, that they basically with this this house where they filled this chimney with acorns, they essentially threw off the um, they threw off the chains of the patriarchy and built their own bird feeder. Like, <laughs> you know, like we don't need humans to do this; we can do it ourselves. It's the bird singularity. They've learned to build their own bird feeders, and now they're yeah, unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, now they don't need us. <laughs> so in that case, I guess it's probably like by by emptying their their seven hundred pound um, acorn cachet, we're just we're slowing them down. We we bought humanity another couple months. <laughs> another yeah, generously another couple months before the yeah, yeah. uprising. Yeah. <laughs> this is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So, Joey, what do you get when you cross a kangaroo and a rap? Um, I'm gonna say my ex-wife. Oh, wow, never, got her. Just kidding. I don't have Roasted. an ex-wife. I just <laughs> felt like that feels like the setup of uh, like a 1940s Catskills comedy. Joke. Right, right. Yeah, it's like you know she's she's like a kangaroo because she kicks me, but she's like a rat because she loves cheese. Yeah, she's right, like a rat because she keeps biting the walls of our house. That's why we got a divorce. Is she <laughs> ate my house? Uh, that's, that feels like a 1940s problem. Yeah, women—they're always eating our house, right, fellas? Yeah, and then every, and then one guy in the house is like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, the answer is kangaroo rats. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the real answer. Yeah, yeah. kangaroo rats. Kangaroo rats. So kangaroo rats are native to Western North America in hot, semi-arid sort of desert regions such as are found in California, Arizona, and in northern Mexico. Um, They are cute. They look like little mice that have kangaroo legs. They have these powerful rear legs that allow them to leap and run. They kind of hop around, um, and it, yeah, they look like little tiny mouse-sized kangaroos. They're very, very cute. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say that you have to, if you, um, if you're listening to this and you have your phone or you're on a computer or something like that, definitely Google kangaroo rat. It's a very adorable little critter. Um, its fur is very cute. It looks very pettable. Um, as a big fan of uh, animals that are cute and cuddly, I'm gonna give this thing uh, five cute nuzzles. <laughs> <laughs> I like that rating. Uh, yeah, and there's there's a picture of it in the footnotes. Also in the footnotes is a picture of one of these kangaroo rats delivering a high-flying kick to the face of a rattlesnake because that is what they will do. They are... Do they, wait, do they hunt rattlesnakes? No, they are victims of rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes hunt them, but they are not a passive victim. They will kick the rattlesnake in the face to evade them. Um, do they... Uh, how often do they win these fights? You know, I don't know like a percentage, but it's pretty effective. Uh, if they are able to detect that the rattlesnake is there before the rattlesnake strikes them and they do successfully kick the rattlesnake, they have a very good chance of running away. So if they notice the rattlesnake in time, I'd say their chances are pretty good because they could definitely outrun a rattlesnake. Yeah, and if you look at this photo, like it really feels like this kangaroo rat just got a direct hit on this rattlesnake's face. <laughs> it's very funny. 
So uh, another cute thing is that because they live in hot desert climates, they have to preserve their body moisture and regulate their temperature. So they will stay in their burrows during the hot day. They will plug up the holes with some dirt to keep cool. Um, And while they are sleeping during the day, they curl up into a little ball with their nose in their belly hair, which creates a pocket of moisture from the condensation around their nose. So uh, very, very adorable. Okay, um, I'm going to Google a picture of that kangaroo rat curled up in a ball, and you're going to be able to hear me live react to this. Okay, let's see. Kangaroo rat curled up in a ball. Ah, that's very <laughs> cute. <laughs> live, live Joey ah reaction. Yes, they are. They're extremely cute. So the reason I bring up kangaroo rats is that they are scatter cachers or scatter hoarders. And they also store things in their cheeks in a really weird way. So they have cheek pouches, but it's not kind of like how you would think, like where a hamster has cheek pouches and they will stuff something in their mouth and it'll make their cheeks pooch out and it's very cute. The kangaroo rat has external cheek pouches that are not inside their mouths, but are like two pockets on either side of their face. So they have these two pockets on their cheeks that are lined with fur like internally and it doesn't go, it's like outside of their mouth. They don't put things into their mouth. They put it directly into these like little pockets like you have pockets on your pants. They just have pockets on the sides of their faces that they can stuff seeds into. Yeah, I gotta say the um, the photo that you have of the kangaroo rat cheek pockets um, scrolling past it, uh, I was immediately horrified because I thought this kangaroo rat had several mouths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little um, spooky. It's also like the photo. I feel so bad for this kangaroo rat because like to it, this is probably it's like secret little seed stash. Whereas this human just like shoved the rat down and is like pulling its cheek pocket open and is like, <laughs> look at this. This is probably yeah. the most embarrassing moment of that kangaroo rat's life. <laughs> Where's his constitutional rights against unfair search and seizure? Yeah, I mean, that that, that said, that kangaroo rat was probably also uh, trafficking kangaroo rat cocaine. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's not his, it's his friends. So. Oh, yeah, you're right. He doesn't, I don't know how it got there. <laughs> <laughs> it will deposit these seeds from its weird little face pockets into caches that are distributed all throughout its territory. So it will run to a place, dig a little hole, bury its seeds, run to another place, dig a little hole, bury its seeds. And so in this way, it is not unlike the Eastern gray squirrel. Uh, Research into the behavior of kangaroo rats have found that they don't need landmarks to remember where they have buried their seeds in the short term. But after 10 days, they use landmarks to be able to triangulate where they stored their seeds. So they kind of memorized landmarks nearby where they stored things and used that to find caches that they had buried a long time ago. Then 10 days later, they're just like, wait, where was that? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, just like, oh, it was by the McDonald's. Yeah, uh, instead of, dude, where's my car? Dude, where's my seeds? <laughs> where's my seeds that I stored in my mouth pouches? That is really interesting that they um, 
that like basically they carry seeds as um it's not like a permanent storage thing they're not constantly carrying like a reload of seed for seeds for snacks in their cheeks it's more like that's just how they more easily carry seeds from location right. to location to like put them in these, in these caches so it's like a backpack right, it's their pockets yeah yeah face backpack that'd be fun yeah. <laughs> what a very specific mutant superpower face backpacks I mean, I like it. I've always wanted more pockets. Maybe yeah. not on my face. Maybe not on my face, but look, these kangaroo rats make it work for them. Yeah. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So now I want to talk about my favorite type of hoarding called uh, ripening uh, hoarding or ripening caching. This is where an animal will do something that is in a way very weirdly human. So, so weirdly human, it doom scrolls on Twitter and listens to Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, it's a it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, it says stuff like, in this economy? <laughs> Stocks and bonds, cell phones and shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all human stuff. Uh, so the Tyra is a very strange animal found in Central and South America in subtropical forests. It's in the Mustelidae family related to weasels and badgers. And they kind of look like a giant weasel. So they weigh, they're, they're about the size of like a medium-sized dog, a uh, small to medium-sized dog. They're like about 15 pounds or 7 kilograms. They have a dark brown body, brown head, and a lighter patch on their chest. Um, this throat patch is actually unique and can be used to identify individual tyras, um, which is similar to another animal, the giant river otter, who has a unique throat patch that can be used by other giant river otters to recognize their friends. Uh, for the tyras, I'm not sure if the conspecifics, that is the members of their own species, use the throat patches to identify each other, but humans can use them. So we're like, hey, that one is great. Yeah. I remember his throat patch. Yeah, it's a, it's a cute accessory. I mean, I got to feel like, uh, I don't know, us humans, we, we, should, we should all start getting throat patches. It's just a nice... Uh, it's a nice way to like break up the the fur. Um, you know, I think you could probably get designer throat patches, something from Gucci. Um, <laughs> I, I think that Tyra is just you know the picture I'm looking at is really working it. Uh, so uh, you go, Tyra. They're very cute. They have these long fluffy tails as well, which I think brings them from uh oh, this is a sort of like noodly animal that wants to bite me to it's cute. 
Yeah, it's like it still wants to bite me, but I'm going to try to pet it while it does. Right. It's going to bite me, but in this case, it's probably going to be my fault because I tried to pet it. Oh, for sure. So they are omnivores and they will hunt small mammals and reptiles, but they will also climb trees for fruit. And in fact, they will go to great lengths to get tasty fruit. Uh, one resourceful trick they have is picking unripe plantains. And an unripe plantain is not a nice thing to eat. So the Tyra hides it somewhere, lets it ripen, and then finds and eats it later. Um, that's so interesting. And it really makes me wonder, like, at what point did they, like, evolve to learn how to do that? And I feel like I've heard other stories of animals, um, you know, hiding fruit or hiding food until it ferments. And I think that there's actually a few stories of, like, um, uh, animals hiding, you know, grapes or something like that somewhere and then waiting for them to ferment and then eating them and then getting drunk off of them because it basically just turns into wine. Yeah, I mean, there are there are multiple cases of animals doing this sort of like ripening, uh, caching behavior. Um, Pikas do it. Um, they uh, will take plants that are somewhat toxic and then uh, high, kind of put them in their dens and then they, uh, over time, lose that toxicity. Uh, leaf cutter ants will take sections of leaves and then they will sort of farm this fungus that grows on the leaves and then eat that later. So yeah, this is a technique used by all sorts of animals and it's really fascinating. Yeah, I feel like I want to say that I do that when I buy bananas from the store and then just don't eat them for a couple weeks. And then when I find <laughs> them, they're like black. And then I'm like, ah, I could probably still eat one of these before throwing it away. That's definitely uh, me doing this behavior and not me being uh, lazy and careless. <laughs> My trick with bananas is I don't eat them because they are the devil's fruit. Um, wait, they're the devil's fruit? Why are they the devil's fruit? Because they're stinky and bad and I hate them. Uh, I mean, anything, like, anything I okay. don't like personally is immoral. So, um, so I guess that like you were saying that when you're eating a sandwich, you're not having combat with the sandwich. But if you're eating a banana, you're in combat with the banana. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, I'm, you're not eating it for sustenance. You're eating it to destroy it. To spite the banana. Exactly. Yay. So with these Tyras, they will hide their bananas in these very creative spots, like sometimes in like the bowl of a bromeliad. So a bromeliad is this plant. It's like this sort of spiky plant that attaches itself to trees and it will form kind of like a bowl or like a shelf uh, against the tree. And so these uh, Tyras just like put the banana in the bromeliad, hide it like they're hiding an Easter egg. And they'll come back a few days later to come get it uh, when it's nice and ripe. Um, that's awesome. I don't know. It's just so crafty. They are. Yeah. And there's like some discussion about like, well, does this mean that Tyras are able to plan for the future? Can they conceive of the future because they are waiting for bananas to ripen? Um and I don't know if the fact that they ripen bananas is evidence that they have a concept of the future, but they at least understand that the food can't be eaten like right then. So they have to like put it somewhere, wait a while and go get it, which I think is it's pretty intelligent. Yeah. When you have to think about like um, I mean, going back to the um, the acorn woodpecker, 
like presumably when they're you know storing a bunch of acorns in a, a chimney or something like that there is this attitude that like there's you know they're saving up for winter or they're like saving up for like more more lean times so like i feel like in these animals that we're talking about there's definitely at least some idea of planning that's going into the decisions that they're making i mean one can look at it two ways i mean it could be planning or it could just be this instinct right like this like with squirrels like this instinct like i got a nut i got to bury it and you know i would i would say that with things like squirrels and woodpeckers not not to say they're not intelligent i'm just not sure that they i think a lot of it has got to be instinctive like they just have this desire to get as much stuff as they can and shove it into things because oh, it's such so, so it's, it's like, such repeated behavior oh so it's so it's like my instinct to hide chocolate in my desk got it it's just like, <laughs> exactly, yes. I wake up in the morning and I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that even in humans, we still kind of have like, you may have that like feeling of security if you accumulate a lot of food, like uh, if, if you've stored a lot of food, like when you're packing a backpack full of food or putting food in your pantry, I think there is a satisfaction in that. And I think with animals, they are sort of, uh, some of these animals, they are instinctively driven to do these things. When you're like preparing food, like you have food that you can't eat at the moment, but you put it in a position that you will be able to eat later, it could be instinctively driven. Uh, it could be learned behavior. It could, like something like the Tyra may not have a concept of the future but may just through trial and error know this to be a thing or learn it from other tyras you know it, it so it's 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 unclear how much this reveals about how this animal can sort of think about the future but it it's so like an example that i've read about that seems to indicate something where like uh there's like a story of a captive chimpanzee like hoarding rocks keeping rocks of very specific shape and then using those rocks to like toss at zookeepers or something. <laughs> and to me, I don't think that's like an instinct. I think that this uh Yeah, I think that I think that uh, that chimpanzee is a jerk. <laughs> it's premeditated. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Which I love. Love love chimpanzee crimes. Um but yeah, I, I think it's it's it start it, it gets confusing because I think it's like, well, what is instinct? What is just this little squirrel going like, I got a nut, I want to bury it. And what is some, like, at what point do they, does it become something where it's like, huh, I have this thing. This is a surprise tool for later. Like, you know, it, it, it's hard, it's hard to know what point at which that happens in animals. But yeah. I do think generally like a chimpanzee, I am much more willing to believe can think about the future and make a plan whereas like a eastern gray squirrel mm, i don't think it has a concept of the future i think it is more driven just by these like instinctive urges yeah i guess that that's that's something that's so interesting to me about like um you know animal intelligence and you know i'm a big cat guy i think about cats all the time um <laughs> i remember um a cat that i had growing up like my childhood cat um whenever we would give it a bath immediately after we gave it a bath it would like snug it would like uh you know while it's still wet as we're drying it off with a towel 
it would like snuggle up to us and want to sit on our laps. And at first we thought it was cute because it was so like violently opposed to getting a bath. And then it would poop on us. And then we were like, <laughs> oh, this cat, that was for sure that cat doing that out of spite because it did not want a bath. And then it was like, it's like <laughs> making eye contact with us while it's pooping in our laps. <laughs> well, I do think animals can be spiteful, especially cats. So I, I don't know. Maybe that was out of spite. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we go, we have to play a little game, and that game is called Guess Who's Squawkin', the mystery animal sound game. Every week I play a mystery animal sound, and you, the listener, and you, the guest, try to guess who's squawkin'. And that can be any animal in the world, not just birds, not just bees, any animal. Uh, last week's mystery animal sound hint was this. This is one unhappy noodle. Did you hear that? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to guess that that is a parakeet. Interesting guess. Uh, incorrect, however. Uh, so this was actually a mink uh, rescued by Ontario Wildlife Rescue. This mink was apparently trapped in an air conditioner. Uh, but oh, no. Yeah, no, they, they got him out. Uh, the, no the noise of him, he's not in the air conditioner. He's like in a little transport cage okay good i thought you were like this yeah this uh this mink is in the process of being tortured with no. recorded this. <laughs> no no he's just he's just annoyed because probably a little scared because he's in a transport cage but you know they they got him and then they they uh they they released him um but you know so he's not these are not happy noises but he's all right yeah, it's like, guess um, so, who's squawking this uh this tiger is in the process of being defanged <laughs> No, no. Um, so minks like to live by the water and they will often fish things like fish for fish or crustaceans um, or they will hunt for things, uh, pick on somebody their own size like rabbits. Um, unfortunately, minks are also prized for their fur and mink farms uh, will... Uh, often like selectively breed them for like white coats and then they will kill them and harvest them for their fur. Um, other than, you know, obviously the problems with this is that minks are not well suited to a mostly sedentary caged lifestyle and they will often show signs of mental deterioration and compulsive behavior in mink farms. Uh, and then aside from this being bad for minks, very obviously, uh, it's bad for people too. Mink farms are not great in terms of safety when it comes to viruses because uh, the these minks are housed closely together in these battery cages and there's a lot of nose-to-nose -nose contact and ability for viruses to spread quickly. So we actually saw sort of in the midst of the pandemic like um, COVID spread uh, in these mink farms and more recently We've seen uh, H5N1, the avian influenza, sort of go through a mink farm, which it typically does not transmit well within mammals. So the fact that it's transmitting uh, from mink to mink in these mink farms is not, it's not great. It's like not a good thing. So wait, there's an uh, H5N, there's an H5N1? Uh, yeah, so they keep viruses. coming out with sequels. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it is. 
I feel like, um, you know, especially in times of COVID, it's like it was very big news whenever there was a new COVID strain. And now it's yeah. like, I feel like things are covered like just slightly less to the point that like you don't watch the news for three days and then you're just like, there's a new virus? I should like monkey pox? What's that? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can drive yourself kind of uh, nuts, like trying to keep up with all the strains of viruses that come out because there's a lot. So I. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't want to scare people. I still think that, like, especially with H5N1, yeah, it's like epidemiologists, virologists, they're concerned about it. But these kinds of scares happen pretty frequently. It's just people aren't usually tuned into them. Um, like, we don't really, they don't really make it to the news as much, or even if they do, they're not as big of a deal. I think everyone's really plugged into it now because of COVID, because we've been through a pandemic. Uh, so I think it's I think it's good. Like more awareness is good to a certain extent. But I I think that like there it can go too far where people are just like scared that every new mutation of every virus is going to be like an apocalyptic event, which is very unlikely. But yeah, so it's it's like yeah, you know, this is this is concerning, but you know, I do think that things like mink farms are not necessary uh at least not necessary to have them be such sort of cruel biohazards, I would say. Oh yeah, I mean it's one of those things where it's like there's a there's a lot of reasons why mink farms are uh maybe not the best thing in the world, and this is definitely uh one of several reasons. Yeah, also like, you know, just chill out on like, the minks, guys. They're they just wanna yeah. be they just wanna scamp around, be furry little noodles and eat fish. Yeah, you look, you don't you don't have to wear a mink coat, just throw on a Garfield t shirt. It's just as nice. <laughs> They're made of cotton. It's great. Yeah, man. I, I it's Garfield sweaters over mink coats all the way, honestly. <laughs> to me, Garfield is much higher fashion. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. If I see somebody on a runway with a mink coat, I'm just going to be like, what is this, 1920? Whereas if I see somebody with a Garfield coat, I'm going to be like, are you my new king or queen? <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like, animal rights activists, like, tossed uh, red paint uh, over, like, fur? We should yeah. toss orange paint and be like, you've been garfed. <laughs> yeah, orange orange paint. And then just like us. And then somebody runs in with, like, some black paint and just paints on some black stripes really quick. <laughs> Two big googly eyes. Yeah, garfing in the name <laughs> of uh, animal and human welfare. I like it. Garfield activism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now the urge. Okay, so now I might go. I might go the other direction. The urge to get uh, a giant fur coat and to dye the fur orange with black dots, <laughs> so it looks like I skinned Garfield. Is you know definitely. I'm not gonna do it, but the urge to do it's greater than zero. <laughs> I got good news for you. You can buy fake fur in orange already, probably, and then oh, wear sick. that like a skin Garfield. You could probably even get like a big Garfield stuffed animal and skin that one. And then that'll really sell the experience of you skinning a Garfield. Okay. Yeah. This sounds like, uh, this sounds like a good fashion. They're actually at Google. They're, they're, there's already a ton of Garfield fur coats. <laughs> Good, healthy fun. And I like how we've 
we've ended this podcast where I try very hard to spread empathy for animals with like, this is how you can simulate skinning Garfield and wearing him. Whereas I'm just like, I got to skin me a Garfield. (laughs) Then who will hate Mondays? Me. (laughs) I think he would hate Mondays even more if you skinned him on a Monday. (laughs) Yeah, that's my that's my special instructions to the mink farm is like there. Is like make sure that you before you dye these mink furs Garfield colors, make sure you do it on a Monday. Wow. Yeah, no, that, yeah. like yeah, we could be saying like, hey, maybe cool it with the spreading viruses and being mean to minks. Or we could be like, actually the problem is you don't dye your fur orange and make it look like Garfield's. Honestly, now I'm just go- and I'm just going down the rabbit hole of like seeing what Garfield fur coat turns up. And there's a lot of like really amazing like Marina wool and faux fur trimming jacket that's like very much Garfield colors, but not on purpose. So it feels like it's high fashion. <laughs> well, well, I figured out my new, the new me. <laughs> well, before you drop a bunch of disposable income on Garfield uh, outerwear, uh, we have to play uh, this week's uh, mystery animal sound. So the hint is it is something that no lemur wants to hear. So, Joey, who do you think that is? Uh, I mean, that sounded terrifying. <laughs> like, uh, no lemur wants to hear this, and none of us do either. Yeah, I also did not want to hear that. Um, so, uh, I'm going to say, look, as a cat expert, I think this might be a quack. You are absolutely correct, which means all the listener will hear is a mysterious quacking noise, and uh, so they will have to guess who is making that sound. But yes, congratulations, you're absolutely right. If you think you know who is making that sound and you write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com, if you guess correctly, I might read your name on the podcast. Uh, well, Joey, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, always a blast to be on Creature Feature, and uh, congrats on Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Oh, thank so you. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at JoeyTainment, um, as well as TikTok at JoeyTainment, and then you can find me on Instagram at JoeyClift with like five or six eyes. And then um, if you want to check out stuff I'm working on right now, um, I was a writer, consulting producer on the show Spirit Rangers, which just came out on Netflix. Super, sh- uh, super cool kids show. I think you'll really dig. And then uh, my Comedy Central digital series Gone Native just came out on all of Comedy Central social channels. It's a bunch of fun animated shorts about just like microaggressions that native folks often deal with. So uh, check all that stuff out and uh, and follow and listen to more Creature Feature. It's a great podcast. Oh, thank you. Like plug yourself, not me, but I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the main plug is to keep listening to this show you're <laughs> listening to. Well, gosh, thank you. I don't think, I don't think I've ever gotten reverse plugged before, but that's I appreciate that. That's very thoughtful. Um, oh, yeah, well, thank you, guys. And and hey, I'm gonna plug Joey. Check out Joey's stuff for goodness sakes. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> And thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show and you want to leave a rating or review, I deeply appreciate it. I read all of them, and I appreciate uh, each and every single one. 
And thank you to the Space Classics for their super awesome song, Exolumina Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I don't judge you. See you next Wednesday. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. No one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F-A-C-E-T.com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.